Hey everyone, this is the Everyday Leader Podcast, where we hear from inspiring individuals building and leading teams across Africa. Today I speak with Wairimu Njoki from Kenya. Wairimu serves as the VP of Operations in East Africa for the microinsurance company. She's a fierce advocate for inclusion, especially among the marginalized, and has over six years of experience in the financial and insurance sectors. The microinsurance company is an end-to-end digital microinsurance solution provider with the aim of driving insurance uptake for the mass market through need-based digital insurance. She holds a bachelor's degree in finance and is also a certified project manager. Welcome, Wairumu, to the Everyday Leader podcast. Excited to speak with you about your leadership journey. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. Uh, thank you for having me and excited to have this discussion. So tell me about your leadership origin story. I've heard from a lot of people of formative experiences they had early in their career where they took on either a project management or a people management role that started to excite them about the possibility of leadership? Oh, yeah. So six years ago, I think uh, right after I graduated, I took up a job. I had a job at a financial sector and I joined when it was a complete startup. So I joined in credit analysis, did that for about a year. And then uh, I was moved to operations, to head operations. So what we essentially did or what I was involved in was, you know, setting up the structures, the organization framework, uh, the structures of how everything would work. And I was given the opportunity or I was, I, I took up the operations lead, which meant overseeing the whole framework, hiring new people in different departments that's credit analysis, the first salespeople, um, and yeah, so I was right below the MD. So that's the first time I would say I actually, you know, handled leadership. So that was my first touch point essentially in leadership. Um, I would say my experience now is a bit different from experience then, but that was my first time handling leadership. Uh, it was it was a very new company. So having been set up in the operational framework as well as setting up the culture, it was easier to navigate because, you know, uh, culture usually determines a lot of how your interactions with people when you're in a leadership capacity actually go. So this was at Milhan Access Capital, which does a variety of finance activities. So you were initially hired as a credit analyst and then transitioned mm-hmm. into an operations lead. What, yes. what uh, set you up to be moved into that operations lead role? Was this something that you kind of applied for internally or were you selected based on some process? Uh, so I was selected based on a process. So it wasn't really a strong process. I'm, I'm very, uh, the founder used to always say I'm like a jack of all trades. I, I pick up things very quickly. You know, I, I was really invested. I, I like building, so to say, building things. I like being, you know, at the forefront of things that are moving or changing. So I, I, I had a, I think when I joined, while I was doing credit analysis, I picked up a million other things that were happening. I was happy to pick up responsibilities. I was giving ideas here and there on what would happen. And so he just looped me in when they were now putting up the framework. And then, you know, based on my performance, I just got the role. That's really interesting. It sounds like you were quite proactive in your first role. You mentioned uh, kind of making suggestions, taking on uh, opportunities as they, they came, even if they weren't in your initial job description. Um, what was the, the biggest difference uh, between that initial role where you were kind of trying to be as helpful as possible to when you shifted to actually be the operations lead when uh, it's no longer you going above and beyond, now it's your actual role? What, what was the kind of shift for you uh, during that, that year? 
it was um so the biggest shift was because you know setting up operations is actually the backbone of most organizations so you find there's a lot of factors to put in you know that's before you're just doing credit analysis you're just protecting the business from risks and all that operations you're dealing with people not internally you're also dealing with clients i think that was my first touch point with not only managing people within but also managing customers because you have to keep them happy and you have to keep the staff happy so there needed to be a balance so that was the biggest difference for me because i needed to just you know focus on uh keeping you know client first keeping the customers happy and then keeping the employees happy at the same time yeah so it was quite uh, a different uh dynamic altogether it was quite a different dynamic altogether you have to learn a lot of people skills you know you have to know how to you know to resolve conflicts you have to know how to deal with customers at different stages what would you say has been your kind of favorite part uh, of being in in operations role so far it gives you a lot of perception being in operation so one what i like most is the ability to keep changing things because i've been in operations at microinsure as well so it's the ability to keep you know you can change processes to fit what's working or what's not working but at the same time it's really having to interact with a lot of people and see different perceptions because when you're dealing with fewer people you can only see as far as yourself and those people but when you're dealing with a wide variety of people your perception is a bit of a myriad you're seeing dif- you can see different things which can really help i feel it really helps me as a leader because i'm able to think not just as as per my point or as per how i see things or the two people or three people i talk to the most but i am able to analyze different perceptions of things which helps in making decisions or coming up with new things as you're speaking uh, um remembering uh, various uh conversations and and collaborations and sometimes even clashes with various operations teams and departments and and it's probably much different from uh where you're at but at at past companies there is always a seemingly kind of tug of war between uh incentives and uh priorities across different whether it's business units or departments or even individuals in terms of getting resources uh getting projects and operations done so you touched on this idea that you have visibility across almost the whole team and you get to see uh the different you know viewpoints from different parts of the company obviously the whole company is working towards uh, a set of goals so Do you have examples of of when uh, you found yourself between different stakeholders and how you kind of uh juggled those competing interests uh for for the kind of betterment of the company? Yes, yeah, so I wouldn't say that on Milhan that was a bit of an extreme. It wasn't uh okay, there were there were scenarios there because you'll find that the sales people <laughs> the sales people want to bring in business, right? So they're looking it at more of new business. while the operations or the risk department is more concerned about what's the risk appetite that they have for this particular business so there'll be a lot of clashing where you're telling them um so milhan that was the biggest issue so you're trying to tell them that this we, we can't you know advance this amount of money because of so and so and and you know to them that's not a very huge risk and they feel that so you know at the end of the month when the analysis or the end of the quarter when the, the analysis is being done it may show like they've not brought in business when really they have and that hasn't so you you get to find a balance in, in a couple of things you need to find things that work i'd say in that scenario 
a couple of things that changed were not just analyzing a salesperson based on how many the total business that has actually generated revenue, but as well on their pipeline, because they could bring in business that you don't agree with. The other thing is having you need to. Um, so my the, the MD at the time was also the founder had this thing where he'd always say you need to always understand the why behind things. Why even when you go somewhere you're ordering something and they tell you you have to do something you need to see why is it being done, because even with employees I have found over time. The first thing you need to really do is make them understand the why. Why are you here? Why are we here as a company? What's the goal? What's the vision? How do you fit in? If they can mesh what they're doing with the ultimate you know, goal or vision of the company, it, it's easier for them to be self-motivated as well, which means they will think about the business, not just, it won't just be like even for sales, it won't just be, I need to bring in this much business. They need, they need, you know, at the back of their mind, they'll be like, you know, uh, we're trying to have this kind of company, but we also need it to have a low PR. And, you know, if, if it has a high PR, the company can shut down or it won't actually excel. So the idea is essentially to just get buy-in, get buy-in for the vision of the company from the employees as well. And then also have flexibility about how you analyze their work or how you measure their work. So that even if they have buy-in and, you know, even if they understand the goal of the company, but they still feel that it doesn't, when it comes down to the appraisals or whatnot, it doesn't really matter, you know, whether they, they were bought into the vision, they haven't done this and that, regardless of other metrics, then you have an issue. That's fascinating. And, and given that perspective, have you ever found yourself uh, noticing that there is maybe a misalignment or confusion about the why uh, across different teams and needing to kind of raise the alarm or, or, or bring this to leadership? Um, I wouldn't say in a very extreme way, but every now and then, if you've been in leadership, you'll, you know, and I think this is a it's something that happens with individuals. Uh, well, they will be bought in into the company vision. They also want to see that they themselves, their own dreams and their own visions are also aligning with the company vision. So there may be every now and then you'll find, um, you know, people who feel they're not really bought into the why or the vision of the company because they don't feel that the company is also bought into their own vision, you know. So there, ha there have been very minimal instances where this has happened. And more often than not, it's because you, you'll also start noticing a level notice a level of demotivation or so on. So what we do is we try to, so at MicroInsure essentially, we have a lot of something that our CEO introduced, a lot of one-to-ones with staff. You know, every now and then you sit down, you have a catch up so that you can understand where they are at at that point, whether they're still bought into the vision, how they feel that the vision is not aligning with their own vision. And then we work towards what we can actually do. We work towards resolving that. So it keeps, you, you're in, on tabs on the company vision, but you're also on tabs on the employees as well, what their visions are and what they'd like. So you're also collecting feedback from them. I'm a big fan of one-on-one uh, -on -one check ins though at times uh, I found myself spending the better half of, of my week in those types of one-on-one -on -one check ins So it's kind of a hate, a love yeah. relationship. <laughs> I'm curious, given that you brought up the topic of one-on-one of -on -one check ins what would you say uh, has been uh, kind of your style of check-ins as you've grown? Because you, you touched on uh, that you moved to the micro-insurance company and you've now been there for close to four years, starting off as the operations officer, moving into a business solutions analyst and country manager, and now 
uh, the VP of Operations for East Africa. How has your one-on-one check-in style uh, evolved uh, over time? And are, are there any best practices that you've developed? Um, so what I have done, essentially, I don't have very strict one-on-ones where I set calendars and just have one-on-ones with particular staff. So what I do is, one, locally we do have like bi-weekly catch-ups with all staff where we just see it, uh, give updates on where the company is going, where we are at now, what's changing, what's the strategy, uh, and then, you know, find out how is everyone doing? You know, how is everyone doing? How do they feel? Are they happy with the direction the company is taking? Uh, uh, do they have concerns on specific uh, direct, specific, you know, decisions or especially sometimes we break that, especially if there are major announcement or major changes in the company that we have sooner catch ups just right after. So that it gives people time to unpack how they felt about the changes and all that. Then I'll have catch ups with people randomly, you know, sometimes, you know, we'll be discussing something different and then I'll always try and touch on how they feel about things. So Mine are more informal. They're not specifically cast on in stone that it has to be every month I have to catch up with every employee separately. I don't really do that. I found, you know, if you do that, they're overprepared. You just want to have like a casual chat, you know, where they're a bit open to speaking about things in a, in a you know, flexible place or uh, an open place. Yeah. So I'd say, but that has been more frequent now than before because before uh, I wasn't dealing, managing too many people. I started managing more people when I was country manager. Uh, so yeah, when I was, I think, when I was in business analysis and project management, I was managing stakeholders, just the people who were involved in projects specifically. So I'd say, I find they can be, if you do them every week or so on, they can be quite taxing on your time. They really can. But when they're informal, when you're doing other things or what in the you know, like biweekly or something catch-ups, they can be very beneficial in making sure that you understand how how the changes or how everything is affecting the employees. Because if you go too long, I mean, too soon is too much time and then it becomes like a habit. They don't have new things to talk about. But if you go too long, you find you have a very demotivated person or someone who's no longer understanding what's happening. And so you're losing touch with your employees and you, you actually don't want to do that. That, that's quite interesting. So it sounds like you had more of a structured check-in approach earlier on, but as you moved into more and more senior role, it, it now it becomes uh, not a, a weekly basis, but more as needed basis. Yeah. And is that you requesting the check-in or is it also uh, others re- like requesting to check-in with you? So sometimes they request a check-in. So I've had times where, you know, something happens or a change is made or something is just happening internally that affects their roles. Also, when they want to talk about it because, you know, I have an open door policy. I want to talk about things. I'd love to get feedback. So sometimes they do request for check-ins where they just want to discuss something they feel there's a change they need to discuss or something that affects their role that they're not quite happy with or they, they just like clarity on. So it happens both ways. So tell us more about the, the microinsurance company. I know it, it was formerly called Microinsure, uh, but, but tell us more about uh, what the company does and, and now what you, you oversee in the VP of operations role. Okay, so micro, so there is micro insurance company, which is the global company, uh, which is our an underwriting entity as well as a risk, just underwriting risk as well as technology. But then we have we're in different, 
location. So we have, we're in Kenya, in Africa, where we actually have offices, we're in Kenya, we're in Ghana. Uh, then we're in Pakistan, we're in India, but we do have a lot of, um, we call them my carbon centers, whereby we operate in different locations through the nearest location. So like in Kenya, we service all of East Africa, Ghana services all of West Africa. We, we're in South Africa as well, where we, all of it. So and so we have centers, hub centers, so to say. So in Kenya, we are now MIC Kenya, actually, and we are an underwriter and full stack digital insurance company. We just got a license. Uh, we just have finalized on the process of getting the license last two weeks ago. So we should be fully operational from January. And what we do is we develop products to support our partners in their innovation and growth strategies, which could be growing their customer base, supporting their retention, and ultimately just growing their revenues. Uh, so we are insurance and tech company combined. So essentially we support the partners with both our insurance products as well as with our technology. Uh, what we're trying to do, what our long-term goal is, is to build a safety net for the under, you know, underserved or the underinsured people, which is about 4 billion right now, as well as businesses that are also looking to find protection or, or you know, you know, they're trying to solve any challenges in, in ways insurance can. So our mission really is to just provide a safety net for a lot of people because you find there's so many people globally who don't have uh, insurance. They don't have a safety net. They have to depend on out of pocket. And the challenges, most of the challenges can be solved through, you know, changes in the product design, ensuring the insurance products are designed to meet their specific needs, as well as being quite flexible, both in affordability and also the processes. So we, we use, we leverage a lot on technology for a very seamless process, onboarding, claims payments. So as country manager, I, over, I was overseeing all of the op operations in Africa. That is just ensuring this growth of insurance locally, as well as retention of clients. We do a lot of product design and then it's very iterative. Every now and then we'll review how the product is performing. We'll see if there are any changes. As VP for East Africa, so what, what we're really focused on as we, you know, we have this audacious goal of serving every country is ensuring that in East Africa itself, I'm in charge of how the operational works within the hub of East Africa. So I'll oversee insurance in the, all East African countries. Thanks for taking us through that. It was interesting how you mentioned uh, the way in which the team is structured across different hubs, given how spread uh, across uh, various emerging markets that the company is working in from you know, Asia to different parts of Africa and, and beyond. I'm curious, I imagine there's other VP of operations in some of these other regions. Um, I, I suspect that the type of customer and the type of team and the type of insurance partners are quite diverse given the different regions, but there are probably also similarities in how you need to work uh, with operations. So. How do you go about learning and, and, and co-learning with other VP of operations peers in some of these other regions? We have a lot of socializing within like the team. So we interact a lot with people in other teams because 
there's a lot of you know learning and co-learning that happens based on different uh, locations. So what we do is we usually have socializing calls as well, but you we also do a lot of one-to-ones. And every time something new happens in a country or there are any changes, this will be discussed. You know, we flag this to the rest or any new product that comes up that is quite interesting. This this is flagged to other countries as well. So there are a lot of collaboration, so to say, within the organization. Yeah, but most of this is done through a socializing call. We have a socializing call every two weeks with uh, people in, you know, the other leaders in the other uh, countries, just to catch up on what's happening in every location, what's changed, what new ideas do we have that we can do, you know, across all the locations that we are in. What's an example of like a new initiative or a challenge that uh, you faced in your role or as a wider team that you've had to, to navigate and play kind of a hands-on role with? But in terms of an initiative, it has been the setting up of the insurance company locally, because I have been spearheading that for the last few months, uh, because, you know, there was a lot of regulatory and, you know, um, requirements and, you know, there's a lot, it, we will be transitioning from the way we operate now to a full insurance company. So I have spearheaded that and it was an interesting journey, so to say, but I had we had a team across the globe that was also involved in this, whereby we just uh, set up the project plan of how that would work out to meet the deadlines that we had, who was responsible for what. So that, that's usually, the, that has been the most exciting and, you know, initiative so far, because it's also a very bold initiative, moving, you know, moving from just providing insure tech services to full underwriting um, services in Kenya. So it's been, yeah, it's been quite an interesting initiative. We have finalized on that. I, I believe I'd mentioned that, but yes, we finalized on that. But yes, I'd say that has been the best or initiative that we've taken or have taken in the last at least few months. Well, congrats on um, getting that through. I know that from my small experience in the microinsurance sector that uh, not having kind of full control or more control across the full product stack definitely has its limitations. So the mm -hmm. fact that you guys can now uh, operate more independently uh, is definitely going to, I imagine, unlock uh, new opportunities uh, and make things a lot easier for not only yourselves, but uh, your partners and, and your and clients. So that's great news. Uh, I'm curious, you, you've now been with microinsurance for close to four years and have kind of uh, rapidly rose into a, a leadership role. Um, how much uh, have those progressions from those different roles, how, how much has that been an intentional career progression uh, that you've made uh, over the years? Uh, like, did you imagine yourself as the VP of operations East Africa or uh, has it been kind of a year by year, uh, almost reactive uh, process? Um, <laughs> could I imagine myself as a VP? Yes, definitely. I imagine myself as many great things, but did I expect it to happen so soon? Uh, no, I, I often joke that I'm living my five year plan now. <laughs> like this was my five year plan. Uh, so it was more reactive. Uh, I, I, 
I am, how am I? I'd say I'm the kind of person who just gets into the work. So if this is what I'm meant to do, I'll do it. I'll take up more responsibilities. I'm, I'm a jack of all trades. I'll just take up things. Uh, I'm very proactive. I like being involved in many things. Um, and it turns out the company has really liked that about me. So I, I just kept growing, I would say. When opportunities came up, I, you know, I just happened to be a great fit for them. So yeah, so it, it's not that I essentially expected to be here now. I'm, I'm very ambitious, but even this was, <laughs> I hadn't seen this coming this soon. So yeah, I just say I'm living my five-year plan now. So your five-year plan in three years, that's a, a great speed. And, yeah. and so uh, this, this realization that, you know, you embrace being a jack of all trades and that the company has kind of appreciated and and uh, put you into roles that uh, allows you to thrive in that sense. Um, what does that mean for your continual growth? How do you now think about your next five-year plan or your 10-year plan? And how do you uh, continue to grow as a leader and as a professional? <laughs> Very interesting question. So I will say that my five-year or my I, I don't yet have a 10-year plan. I'd be lying. I like taking my time five years at a time. So my, my five-year plan essentially would be to, you know, to oversee more or to be involved in more in terms of not just Kenya and East Africa, because it's very interesting whenever you, you know, you delve into other markets and it's always a new challenge. I thrive a lot in new challenges. So it's always a new challenge because once I've, you know, I mean, it's not like we're there yet in Kenya, the penetration rate is very low. So if it's in microinsurance, of course, uh, you know, there's still a challenge to actually grow the insurance company because now we've set up an insurance company, which is my next, the biggest challenge I have now is making sure, you know, we grow, we increase the uptake and we are sustainable at the end of the day. And then to be able to also grow, you know, move our business or grow our business into Africa is something that I find very exciting or a five-year plan that would be for me professionally. I would like to honestly oversee that because it, it would be very ex exciting and it would be a good challenge for me as well. Yeah, so I'd say my favorite plan is just to delve into other markets as well and to also see the company, the microinsurance company in Kenya actually grow to be a very sustainable insurance company and a big microinsurance company. Amazing, and, and on that point, uh, just as we start to wrap up the conversation, uh, given that you've just gone through the process of, of gaining the license uh, to be kind of full-fledged insurance company in Kenya and that uh, there is so much room still to be had for impact uh, when mm -hmm. it comes to serving uh, underserved uh, markets, uh, what, what are some trends that you're seeing with microinsurance? Uh, what is kind of the future look like in that regard? So the current the current target market, which you know would be a lot of the millennials and the younger generations, the, the biggest trend we've noticed now is convenience. You know that they, they like one-stop shops. You know they like everyone wants to be able to do everything at the top of the button. Uh, so with that in mind, and what microinsurance microinsurance company is doing essentially is 
to actually, because you have to be very people-centered, you have to create products, even the distribution channels, especially with the target market in mind, they have to be the center of your design. So the thing that we are trying to do, or the thing that we're trying to do to be within the trend is make sure that we are embedding insurance into these daily lifestyle choices that the millennials and the younger generation actually partake in. So for example, making sure that, you know, just to make it a very seamless process, we do believe our current processes are seamless, but it needs to be better. So we, what we're doing is, if you're, you know, like if you're taking same way, if you're taking a flight, your your flight, your travel insurance is already embedded onto the cost of the flight. So you don't really have to start looking for insurance on the side or so on and so forth. The other thing is huge flexibility because the future of work is gig. A lot of it is gig now, and gig is the the persona is very very different. You know they 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 they're doing a lot of work. The payments are inflexible, so you have to really model out how things work in a very different way. So one another thing we're doing, which has rolled out in India, we're calling it um, my flywheel, is allowing people to distribute. You know like a savings kind of option, but basically to build up insurance coverage, whereby every time you get money or every time you transact, you're able to actually allocate a sum of that amount to pay for insurance coverage. So, and you can decide where it goes to if you want it to be split into different things. So we're actually meeting the new buyers or the new insurance consumers at the very, you know, at, at, at how they prefer to have things. So that's what we're really doing because we feel this is the future of, you know, the the people now. This is how they prefer things. And you have to model out your business or your offerings to match that. Definitely. You have to meet the customer where they're at. And it sounds like you guys have you know, put a lot of thought into this and uh, are making great strides. So um, thank you so much for reflecting today about your leadership journey and about uh, the future of the micro insurance industry. You, you've had a rapid rise already within an exciting company, and I'm sure your impact will continue to grow as you uh, seek additional uh, challenges to overcome. Uh, so thank you again and wishing you all the best on your journey. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you for having me.